they're not, but... But they're ugly enough, so okay. nobody will take them. Okay, yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's kind of like, that was yeah, my idea. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about anyone taking them. overcome. Sing along with us this morning. Turn my sorrow into joy. 
this next part with us. It goes, this is how we overcome. 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 You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. So good, so good, so good. Hey, that reminds me, it's like, welcome to the Tonight Show. That was like amazing <laughs> night. That was such a good job, you guys did. So wonderful, so wonderful. Hey, welcome to Sunset Hills. My name's Eric, one of the pastors here. Just so glad that you made it this morning. Isn't it a beautiful, brisk fall morning? I mean, what a change, right? Just like switch went on, boom, we're into some sweater weather, and here we go. So, so good that you guys are here with us this morning. If you happen to be new, if you're new with us, you've been here just maybe a week or two or a little bit, please come and see us. Please come and connect with us out in the lobby at the Connect table. We would love to give you some information, uh, let you ask any question. There's nothing that we are going to just hide from you. We want to just be able to just be transparent before you. We love Jesus in this church. We know that he's our, our chief shepherd and our king of kings here, and we love elevating that name and making much of him. So it was neat today. I didn't have one of my elective classes at Sunday school hour, the nine o'clock uh, life group. And so I was able to kind of like work in most of our life groups. And I ended up landing inside of our student ministry life group at nine o'clock, which if, if, you're a, if you're a young adult that uh, is a junior high or high schooler, man, you need to come at nine o'clock because this morning we unpacked some really cool stuff. Number one, the identity of who you are in Christ. Truly, the identity of who you are in Christ. Can I read a verse to you this morning that we read in that time with our students this morning at 9 o'clock? Is that okay? All right. It says this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Listen to this. This is, this is what the overcoming part of the song we just sang meant. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who but it is Christ who lives in me, the life I live now in the flesh. I live by faith 
and the Son of God who loved me, and he gave himself for me. And we got to unpack that this morning with those students, and Pastor Kelly was able to lead them into realizing that the identity that they will have for eternity is their life in Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we worship. That's why we gather. We're so excited that you're here with us. Can I pray this morning as we just continue our worship? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love, care, and concern for us as we continue to sing to you. May you just continue to reveal yourself to us. As we continue to gather here in this place, may you continue to just have the presence of the Holy Spirit upon us. Um, when we hear from the spoken word from the scriptures, Lord, may it reveal you to us and may it also be able to speak to us to where we need to continue to follow you or perhaps follow you for the very first time. Lord, thank you for the church here at Sunset Hills being able to be a beacon of hope and of, of the light of the gospel to the Nolansville and greater Middle Tennessee area and far beyond. We're grateful for you, for what you've done in the past, what you're doing presently now, and what you'll be doing in the future. We give now all of this, and this worship service is yours. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Heather's going to lead in a song. It's one of my favorite songs that we do. And as we were meeting this morning at 8 o'clock, and we were going through this song, there's a line in this song that, that just stood out for me for the first time. And we've done this song probably a um, hundred times here on Sunday mornings. But there's a line that just stood out with me. It says, all of my gains have passed away. And my crowns, every crown is no longer on display. It's one of the things we were kind of talking about a little bit this morning in life group is as a young person, we are conditioned to put our trophies on a shelf, on display. And a lot of times that's where we find our identities. And we ought to celebrate our victories. But I hope we never forget to celebrate the victory that we have in Jesus. This morning, if you're if you're here this morning and and God's just convicted you like he did me that, that so many times I put my crown on display or I put my trophies out there for everyone to see. That's not who my identity's in. My identity's in Christ. Sing this song, Heather. Found in your hands fullness of joy
us from our sin. He is our hope, our righteousness. Jesus, only Jesus. And who can make the blind see? Who holds the keys that set us free? Darkness, my God, that 
in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. We make miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are.
grateful that you are our way maker. You are the way. Your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated today. I don't know that I can add much more than what the worship team has done this morning. You know, we're all pretty sorry when it comes down to our, how we stack up to the Lord. We don't deserve anything that He has been so gracious to give to us and yet he chooses to bless us it's really a shame I think that in this country we seem to be falling away from really a true relationship with the Lord and I'm not just talking about the unsaved I'm talking about the church how truly blessed we are to be able to be in a country where it's free to come to church and without any interference, without any hindrance whatsoever. And yet, sadly, I look around this building and I'm sure that pastors are all over looking around their buildings this morning and seeing a lot of empty chairs, seats, or pews when we ought to be grateful for the privilege of coming to worship our Heavenly Father. And yet we take it for granted. About eight hours from here, a little later, then there's a world that is exploding. And we have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. And yet we as the church seem to be um, in apathy of what we should be doing, how we should be praying. I was talking with Kent for few minutes ago and I'm probably going to do a sermon on this before long which by the way I haven't gotten into my sermon yet I may not get there but I was we were chatting about what's taking place and the announcement that we had hoped to make last week and taking a group from our church to go over into Israel and, and just experience those places where Jesus walked. I, I've never had that opportunity. I'm not sure. Maybe there have been some in our church who have. But I've spoken with people in times past who have been able to do that. And they say it's life-changing to be able to go in those very places that we read about so much in biblical history. And 
how it just brings it to life. And I hope that we'll be able to do that sometime in the near future. But the group that sponsors that, they've canceled all trips now because of what is taking place, and we understand why. But I couldn't help but thinking this as I'm contemplating doing a sermon on this called Thy Will Be Done. I'm thinking about maybe a series that Kelly joked about once that I thought was pretty good called Four Words. Thy will be done. Four words, right? What if it is God's will that what's taking place now in Israel? What if that is truly His will? How should we be praying? Really and truly, we should be praying exactly how Jesus taught us to pray. And that was in the attitude that your will, Heavenly Father, would be done with what's going on there, what takes place here, what we do right now, that it's God's will that is accomplished. Really, when you stop and think about it, that's all that's really important, is it not? And quite honestly, His will is going to be accomplished, no matter what anybody or any one tries to do to interfere with that. His will is always going to be accomplished. And our responsibility as a church, our responsibility as individuals, is to try to line up exactly with where His will is and try to make sure that we're living our lives in the center of His will. I told you I was going to preach a sermon on that one day. Maybe I just preached it, I don't know. But I think there's so much more to that than what I've just shared with you. Is there any part of the Bible that you don't like? It may seem like a strange question to be asked on a Sunday morning sermon. But do you have parts of the Bible that you don't like? You say, well, I love God's Word. I I like all parts of His Word. How could you ask such a question? I, 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 I get it. I understand that. But just kind of hang with me for a second. Because I'm probably going to convince you of the next few statements I'm going to make that there are parts of God's Word that you really don't like. And I assure you, the statements I'm about to make, there are going to be parts of God's words, Word that you don't do. For instance, do you like it when we read from the Sermon on the Mount, love your neighbors? Do you love your na- neighbors? Well, come on now. Most of them. That's really how we act. Okay, well, that one's not okay. I mean, I could change that because you could say love your neighbors. What about do you love all your family? (laughs) Well, evidently you don't based on the response you just gave to me, you know. You sort of love them. You love them occasionally. 
But evidently, there are times when you don't love them very much, right? Because of how you responded. Well, how about this one? Okay, you say, well, okay, I, I, I love my neighbors, love my family. Okay, what about love your enemies? Especially what's taking place in the world right now. Love your enemies? All right, come on now. Who said this? Who? Uh-huh. Okay, so do you have a hard time with that? Do you like it? I wish you just stopped it with love your neighbors, right? But love your enemies. That's a little more difficult. I mean, does that give you any discomfort at all? Or how about this one? Because we seem to have a hard time with this one as well. Forgive others as you have been forgiven. I have a hard time with that one. Don't raise your hands. Has, is there someone in your life right now that you have not forgiven for something they have done? And if there is, then there's a part of the Bible that is, Jesus is very specific about who says, forgive others as you have been forgiven. I mean, that's part of his prayer, right, that he taught us to pray which is part of that other, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven, right? Comes from the same place. Jesus is teaching us this, forgive others as you have been forgiven. Or how about this one? That there are certain things that you do that if you do them, you will not see the kingdom of God. And if you fall into any of those categories where Jesus says, if you do this, you're not going to see the kingdom of God, guess what? You have some part of Scripture that you don't like, that you have problems with. Some parts of the Bible truly make us feel uncomfortable. At least they do me. Especially when it tells us to do something that is totally opposite of what it is that we want to do. I, I, I'm not going to argue with you that there are some things that Jesus teaches in, his, in, in, his, in what he has shared that make me feel uncomfortable and that are not an easy thing to do. I mean, I've got some enemies. I've had some enemies throughout my lifetime, and I still have kind of times when I look back on those situations where enemies have expressed hardship on me that I just like, I wish they'd get more of what they deserve than what I'm willing to give to them. Come on, be honest, don't you? Yeah. Not an easy thing to do. And, and the parable that we're about to talk about is really one of those areas of the Bible that probably would make you feel uncomfortable. Hard to understand. Not a well-liked story, because it hits at our sense of what is fair and just. I mean, really, we really, we have this, this kind of sense about us that, 
I mean, for most part, we really want to see people be treated fairly and justly. I mean, you're church people. You're here on a Sunday morning when a lot of folks aren't. So I give you a lot of credit for that. And so if I were to ask, I believe almost every one of you would say, you know, you'd be able to size up a situation and say, you know, that's fair, that's just, that's unfair, that's unjust, and I get it. I, I, I. However, when we hear this parable that Jesus is talking about, it kind of goes against the grain of what we tend to have in our mind of being fair and unjust. You could name this story, this parable, a lot of different ones. It could be the parable of the grumblers. Do we have any grumblers in our midst? Yeah, we've got... Uh, huh? A few people are brave enough to raise your hand. Grumblers. And I see your hands, and I agree that you're grumbler. No, I'm, I didn't mean to say that. I apologize. It could be the parable of the grumblers because there were people who, when Jesus was telling the story, it would have made sense. They grumbled. In fact, some of the characters in the story grumbled. It could be the, called the parable of the ungrateful. Parable of the vineyard workers would be an appropriate title, but I'm titling this sermon The Generous Employer of the Vineyard because really what we're doing is trying to take the focus off of the people that Jesus are talking about and putting on the focus on the one who gives us blessings that we really don't deserve. Uh, can I, maybe I should uh, thank you for being here this morning I, I appreciate you really coming I know this fall break a lot of people maybe they're getting over their vacation they just say where's some stay home another Sunday I don't know what a lot of folks aren't here and but you came and I appreciate that but let me just tell you thanks for coming but you know what you don't deserve anything good don't and neither do I, as a matter of fact. You know, we don't deserve the blessings that God gives to us. Amen? That's kind of weak. Maybe, you, maybe this sermon's exactly for you, if you don't agree with that more. If you think you deserve what God gives to you, this sermon's probably going to disprove that. No, let me, let me change that. It's not my sermon that's going to disprove that. It's what Jesus teaches of what we deserve, okay? This, this parable that he shares, I mean, one of the reasons that we don't like it is because it does not appeal to our sense of fairness. I mean, who in their right mind pays someone who's only worked one hour of the time when others have worked for much longer, 12 hours, and yet the ones who worked only one hour gets the same pay as the ones who worked 12 hours. Try to do that in today's job market. You'll get reported. It won't work. 
This shocking story that Jesus tells this crowd of people, he shares with them that the, the, the ways that God's relating to people, they're, they're, it's just actually quite a bit different from how we see fairness and justness and good economic principles. Um, might know this kind of going in. This this story is not about running a business, okay? It's a story that Jesus shares, and you really kind of wonder why he takes time to 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 talk about this this generous employer, the vineyard owner. Why would that? Why would he do that? Well. Quite possibly, one of the reasons he's doing it is he wants to get across to those that are hearing, to his disciples first and to those others that are listening, a bigger picture that we often quite get lost in in, in our everyday life because we kind of get caught up in, well, I need to get what I deserve. Jesus said, wait a minute, there's a bigger picture than that. Maybe the bigger picture he's trying to get across is, is the compassion of God. How compassionate is our God? You cannot place God in the same human perspective that we see things from. Don't try. It won't work. And Jesus is trying to get his hearers, the disciples, to get this. Don't place God in your box of how you see things because he's got a much bigger picture that's always at work. What is it? That Waymaker song, he's always working when I don't see it, that we just sang about? Even when I don't see it? And it's already almost time to go home, and I'm not even through my introduction yet. His ways are so much bigger than ours. If you want to turn your Bibles, Matthew chapter 20, verses... Well, we'll go through several of the verses through the parable. He's saying, you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So right up to this point, the, the story, I mean, those that are hearing, they would associate this. I mean, this would have been very typical of any Jewish village of that time at the, at the time of the grape harvest. And, and now this particular landowner's property, I mean, it's obviously bigger than what he can handle himself. So he needs to go out and hire people, workers, to go to work in it. So up until this point, this is a pretty regular story. He, he, Jesus has reached out and he's grabbed them with something that they can associate with, that they understand. But in this story, as there are quite often in parables, there, there are surprises and unexpected twists. 
And we find three of these unexpected twists throughout the story. The first one is that it's the employer himself that goes down to the job market him searching for employees. That, that typically wouldn't happen. Typically, he would send someone like a foreman down to find some extra workers that are needed. But in this case, he goes himself. Jesus' day, the historian Josephus tells that there was a lot of unemployment and the, the jobless would gather in some places waiting for anyone to come along and hire them for the day. And there were places where the day laborers would gather to seek work. And, but usually the unskilled workers, just people who are willing to, hey, I'll just go to work and do anything. And they work from job to job which lasted no more than a day <clears throat> because they had no guarantee of a job, they, they would gather together before dawn and, and wait and kind of put out there their availability to go out and work. And so we have places like that today. We understand that. These workers were promised that they would be paid. So he pays, decides to pay them a denarius for a full day's work. Not bad money for an unskilled worker. It's actually quite a bit of money. So he goes out and he hires a bunch. And then he goes in verse 3. About the third hour, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace. He's already hired these others. They've already been out there working for a while, but he goes out and he wants some more, so he goes and he hires some more standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. Doesn't contract with them like he did the others. He just said, whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. We get it. We, we know, familiar with this story. We, we <clears throat> understand what he's done. But it's important to understand who it is that Jesus is trying to represent in the story. <clears throat> he would, as he's telling the stories, his hearers would actually recognize pretty quickly that the employer represents God. And the vineyard represents Israel. Laborers who are sent to the vineyard are the people God calls to be his servants, working for the kingdom. I think Jesus is trying to really say here, about it much more than in addition to his compassion, that he personally cares for each one of us regardless of who we are. Okay, remember, he hired a bunch, hired some more, hired some more, hired some more. Doesn't really classify them, he just hires them. A way of saying, I care about everyone who's available. And then he goes, I will pay you whatever is right. And verse 4 shows us that these workers, no doubt, trusted the man of his word, the, the owner. Doesn't promise a particular wage as he did the first group. He just, I'll pay you what's fair. 
And then workers seem to know it would be fair. So he carries out that pattern of how he's doing it. And then about the 11th hour, he went out and found still more workers standing around in verse 6. He asked them, why, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? As if a bunch of lazy people, why haven't you gotten a job yet? But they have a reason for that, because no one has hired us, they answered. They said to him, he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. By this time, again, it's almost the end of the day, the work day. I mean, everything would have been winding down by this time. But they're still waiting for work, all this. I'm sure by then, it's like, well, you know, we've been standing here all day. And nobody's hired us up to this point. Why should anybody come along and hire us now? Maybe they're feeling like they've lost all hope. Yet on this particular day, it's different. Why is it different? Why? And it's important to note this. It's not because of what anything that they have done. Because they've been just standing around. I just kind of... Imagine them just standing around, hands in the pockets, and a whole group of them kind of talking, just, you know. Yeah, the Titans are playing today. Right now they're playing. I wonder what the score is for the Titans game, you know. They're just talking about, well, don't anybody look it up. I just let it go. Not that anybody cares these days, it seems like, right? They're just kind of passing the day. It's not about them. It's about the generosity of the owner of the vineyard. And in this, we can see as he goes out and puts them to work, once again, the compassion of the vineyard owner. So we have two groups of people, those that were hired earlier and negotiated a wage, those that, was hired, that were hired later without a contract. And they're basically choosing to trust the goodness of the master. And we get to verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages. Watch this twist. Beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Typical mode of payment back then would have been first come, first serve. Those that started out earlier get paid first. Jesus turns it around. Last come, last served is the point he makes here. I'm sure all of those who worked all day were beginning to be a bit confused at this point. This is not typically how it's done. And Jesus changes it up. And verse 9 says the Workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, I mean, come on, put your humanness in this. I worked only an hour? He's giving me a, a full day's pay? Maybe this guy's going to give, you know, the ones who 
as they're watching, who've been working all day, Oh, he's going to give me a whole lot more. Have you ever been in a situation where you did something and, and you thought for sure because of your actions you were going to get paid more? Anybody ever been there? I have. I, 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 I'm not going to tell you the circumstance. But it's like, okay, if I make this for doing that, Wow. I can expect a whole lot more from this particular person. Turned out, <laughs> I didn't get anything when I expected to get more. You kind of lose your sense of, dude, really? I'm sure they were thinking this how they must have felt, everybody getting paid the same. Verse 11 says, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Pretty typical human nature, right? These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and he made them equal to us, and we borne the burden of all the work and did in the heat of the day. Can't you hear it? What was that? Ernest T. Bass. Working in vineyards, hard work. It involves standing out in the heat for long hours. Man, we can sympathize with them, right? We get it. We can understand their complaint. It isn't fair. Unexpected twist here. It isn't fair. So what's the problem? They were upset that the landowner had made the other workers equal to them. It's amazing how people want more as soon as they hear someone else has favorable terms more favorable terms than what they have. And perhaps there's an important lesson here for us. Jesus just may be saying, we should be content with whatever it is that God blesses us with. Whatever he chooses to give us, we should be content with that. We shouldn't be jealous if someone seems to be getting a better deal. You know how that works, don't you? Well, I've been working a whole lot harder. And why do they get all the blessings when I have all the problems? You ever been there? Yeah, I have. Okay, be honest now, come on. Why is it, God, you're giving them so much more and you're giving me all of this pain and suffering? So they're all grumbling about this, those who've been working so much longer. But he answered them in verse 13, one of them. I mean, one of them had guts enough to kind of complain about it, right? Go for it! Man, we're here backing you up. You're the one. Go for it. He goes and dresses it. That's unfair. 
You ought to be doing better than this. But here's the landowner. Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I'm giving you what I told you I would give you. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money, or are you envious because I am generous? I mean, right there really is the climax to the story. What do you have to complain about? I gave you to the first group what I promised you. I didn't cheat you or shortchange you, and, and now I'm choosing to be generous with the rest. But what is that to you? In our culture, it wasn't fair for the laborers who worked a whole day to get only as much as those who'd worked a full day. It just didn't seem to be right. In today's time, that'd be reported. Actually, how the landowner pays the laborers or what he did with his own money was no business, business of theirs. If the landowner wanted to give half of his wealth out to the workers, he would not have been unjust and, and he would have been really considered generous. That's totally a different spin on what we would expect of the story to be. God's kingdom, those are kind of way of thinking upside down. What should we see out of this? First and foremost, God is a generous God. Agreed? He is a generous God. And how he chooses to bless you is so much more than what we deserve. So whatever he chooses to bless us with, oh, by the way, we in this country are so much more blessed than the rest of the world. I have no idea how blessed we are. And God's blessing has been showered on us. It's incredible, really. But how God chooses to do that is His business. And what He's saying, how I choose to do that, it's up to me. But all of it, whether you get a little bit or whether you get a whole lot, it's still out of His compassion because we don't get what we deserve. He's not obligated. He can't be forced into it. What he gives us is simply out of his love. 2 Corinthians 6 1 says, As fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Appreciate it. It's there because he blesses. We just need to receive what it is that he chooses to give to us. 
some don't want to receive it. Because that's when he uses the line, so the last will be first and the first will be last. And we'll appreciate this line better if we kind of see what transpired before the story was told. Go back up to Matthew chapter 19. It says, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Chapter 19 tells us of a, a rich man who came to Jesus wanting to know about eternal life, and despite the fact that he's religious, keeping the law, he went away very sad. He says, I don't want it. I, I don't want to give up what I've been blessed with. To, to, I'm just going to walk away from it. He's very sad. Then Jesus said to his disciples in verse 23 of chapter 19, I tell you the truth, it, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then referring to his disciples in 28 and 29 of 19, Jesus replied, I assure you that when this world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will all set, also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses and brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. What he's going to give us in the future more than compensates what we get here in this life. What we really have is God's favor. That's the second thing I want you to see here. God's favor. You can't earn God's favor. It's a free gift. God's favor upon you is a free gift. God doesn't pay us according to what we deserve. We don't get what we deserve. But what we get, we don't deserve. That's what grace is all about. It's a gift. A gift that costs everything to the giver and nothing to the receiver. The gift that God gives to us doesn't cost us anything. It's not based on our performance. It's not based on our deeds. It's not based on the fact that you're here when so many people aren't. It's a free gift that God gives to us. Not because we've earned it, but simply because He loves us. Here's the reality. We deserve nothing, but we got everything. You know, if somehow I can just capture that, it really changes my perspective of how I see myself before God. and how blessed I truly am by the gift that he gave me. But not only would it change my perspective of my relationship with him, what it also does, if we really put it to work in our life, this concept that we don't deserve anything, but we got so much more than what we deserve, it changes our perspective of how we see other people.
because it takes me out of this opinion, this attitude that, oh, well, because I'm pastor of a church, I deserve so much more than those heathens out there that are in the world, right? Or because you're here on Sunday morning, you deserve so much more. You ought to be here on Sunday morning. And anybody that's not here this on Sunday morning and you're just flat out lazy and laying out of church, you ought to be in church because of the gratefulness you are to God. Amen? Amen. Okay, that's for all of you people that aren't here. All these people that are supposed to be sitting in these seats. Okay? But you're here. I think that you don't think that God's going to favor you anymore because his favor, his gift was the greatest extent given that a gift could be given. He couldn't give you any more than what he's already given you in Jesus Christ. And that leads me to the last point. You know what that really does? This, this, this story? Ultimately, the compassion really describes your worth. It, it gets to that point. The... Um, what it cost God to give the free gift that he gave describes the worth that we have in him, our worth. I mean, really? Stop and think about it. Well, I've been blessed with two sons and a daughter. If somebody were to come to me and say, hey, um, you can, this person's life here is, you know, you've got to decide. You can save this person's life here by giving up one of your sons or your daughter so that you can save this person here. I would say, are you kidding me? I'm not about to do that. You know? Just for a moment, just think about it. Brett and Andrew are both here. Let me see, which one would I want to choose to give up? <laughs> on one day it would be Brett, and on other days it would be Andrew. Never Emily. <laughs> <clears throat> but what if I say, okay, take Brett. I can guarantee it wouldn't be Stone or Finn. No, well, maybe Finn. I don't. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I love Finn to death. He's a, he's, he's a spitting image of me when I was that age. If I were to choose to give up one for someone else, would that not prove the worth of that other person? That's exactly what God did. You want to know how much you're worth? The equivalent of his son. Wow. 
You know what? That's a good place to stop. Heavenly Father, I just pray that we would understand here this morning we don't deserve anything. Yet you chose to give us so much more than what we deserve. So much more. The cost of giving your son was immense. Why, you couldn't give anything more than what you gave because of your great love and compassion. showered upon us, lavished upon us. I don't know, Father. I pray that this story speaking to us. First of all, maybe to someone who needs to understand just how much you chose to save each of us from our sins, not giving us what we deserve, but through your grace and compassion, you chose to give us what we don't deserve. Life. Everlasting. Found only through Jesus Christ. And maybe for the rest of us who've accepted Christ as our Savior and Lord, and we would truly appreciate it, not grumble, not worry about what others are getting, or what I'm not getting, but to truly just say, thank you, God. For your blessings. Help that change my attitude to you, my attitude toward others. Holy Spirit's leading you to do something today. It's time of invitation. And during this time, just be obedient to what He has, what He's leading you to do as we stand and as we sing.
I'm going to finish my sermon now. <laughs> Actually, I just want to say one kind of in comment here. Often, well, actually, all the time, God blesses us so much more than what we deserve. And in spite of who we are. Right? Let's talk about some things coming up. Let's do. Hey, uh, you may have heard last week about worship in the woods on November the 7th. We ain't doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. It started getting cold, and uh, none of us like cold. And so we realized, realized that it was probably going to be really cold outside, and we maybe misjudged the time on that a little bit. So Pastor Steve came up with a really great idea. How much of it can we share? Can we share, share it all? Share it all. Share it all. So uh, we're going to be inside on that day. Um, that's November the 5th. Um, and we're going to re redesign our whole sanctuary just for that one day. We're bringing in some round top tables and we're calling it worship round the table. And um, so we'll, we'll be sitting at tables and there's a purpose for that. The purpose is... You like it. The purpose is this, that right after service... 
we're going to have a great meal together. Uh, we have catered out with uh, Dairy King for their chicken and dressing. I got confirmation on that. And then we're going to ask you all to sign up for some side dishes and desserts. And so it's going to be a potluck. You bring your favorite dish, enough for you and a few other folks. And uh, we're just going to have a big, massive buffet. And we're just going to enjoy each other's company and fellowship. And uh, you may have noticed this morning, those of you who are, are uh, keep count on me, uh, we didn't have any hymns this morning. Um, but during the month of November, the first three weeks, we're doing a hymn sing every Sunday morning. So uh, the first three weeks of November is going to be nothing but hymns. We're bringing back some hymns that you haven't heard in a hot minute. Uh, I'm really praying hard about this, and I just really feel like God's going to give us some, some great gems that we just uh, need to be reminded of, of those folks that uh, wrote, wrote those songs uh, years ago, the great hymns of faith. So that'll be the first three weeks of November. So that's three weeks from today, right? Is that right? Or four weeks from today? Three? Three? Okay, because there are five Sundays in October, right? Five Sundays, there's five Mondays, there's five one other days. I don't remember which one it is. It's three weeks. Okay, so three weeks from today. No life groups that Sunday. Uh, so all you teachers, I'm just announcing this to you right now. We're just going to worship around the tables. going to have food galore. We're going to have some great fellowship time. We're going to sing hymns for the month of November. And that, that's cool, right? You like that? Yeah. All right. So be here. Be here on that day, and, and, and we're going to have a great time on that day, and I'll be done inside this. You can stay warm inside the sanctuary and not be cold out in the woods, okay? Yeah, and the food's going to be good too, right? Yeah, because I know there's some great cooks in here, and you're going to bring some really good things, and you cannot beat Dairy King's chicken and dressing. It's really delicious, okay? It's like your mom used to make. Well, some of your moms, all right. So we're looking forward to that, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have some leaflets that you can hand out to people and make it um, easy for you to invite. Make it invi right. Yep. Yeah. So invite your family, invite your friends, and we'll have plenty here. Coming up eat. on October 29th, Trunk or Treat at the Beach. Man, what a great time. I was just. I'd love to be at the beach right now, but you can be at the beach on October 29th. It's only one hour. We've kind of scaled that back. Normally, we've done an hour and a half or two hours. We're just calling it the power hour, um, October 29th from 6 to 7 to come on out and uh, just be an encouragement to our community. We're going to have a lot of students and, and kids. They're going to be coming and expecting candy, but we want to give them more than candy. We want to give them candy and just a smile and the love of Jesus. So uh, we encourage you. We have, I think we have about 17 trunks right now. We would love to have 30. We'd love to have 30. So um, I know like for instance, uh, Misty last year partnered with Amy and together they, they did a trunk together. So maybe you're here and you just say, man, I've just got a lot going on. Partner with someone, partner with someone. You guys break, break the responsibility in half and come up with something awesome. Do want to bring to your attention too? Um, we are going to be adding shoe boxes as long as you guys will fill them. So we've got some new shoe boxes back there, and uh, man, this has heard a great testimony from Jennifer. Thank you for that um, last week. These are boxes of just love and 
packed with Jesus that are going to, to kids that uh, in, in no other way in any other time of the year may hear about the love of Christ, but they, uh, but they will on, on uh, this time at Christmas time. So that's all I have, everybody. So stand with us as we close in prayer. Thank you for being here this morning. Such a great spirit today. And uh, we're grateful for that. Lord, we thank you for today. God, thank you that, God, you are a, a generous and kind master. God, we're so grateful for the way that you love us. God, as I was thinking about that song, that line that you've won my heart, Lord, I, I just... Lord, I pray if there's some, someone here who you have not won their heart completely, that, God, they would not leave this place today with, with ashes. But, Lord, they would lead, leave this place today with beauty, that, God, they would trade that, those ashes for beauty. That's what you want for us, God. We're so grateful for that. For everything that we do, let us reflect your love this week out on the mission field. We love you in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning, this is Kelly. I wanna take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what, we would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776 one eight zero seven one of her pastors will be back in touch with you hey if you're in the neighborhood we'd love to see you in person you can join us for life groups at 9 a.m or blended worship at 10 a.m and let me say this from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience we have a place for you you know i believe that we're living in unprecedented times people all around us are looking for sources of hope and you and i we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.